Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. The, the gospel story today that St. Luke gives us is a very brief snapshot. I know it didn't sound brief, but it's actually a very brief snapshot of a slightly larger event context story. Um, it was a situation where um, what we just heard in the gospel, there was a man who was possessed by a demon, and Luke didn't actually say that he was blind. He just said that it was mute. But the other gospel um, accounts of this story say that it was both blind and mute. So this man was brought to Jesus. Jesus heals him. And he's accused by some in the crowd of casting out demons through the power of Satan. Jesus explains in so many words with that whole house divided thing that that theory doesn't make sense. Then he goes on to talk about the strange metaphysical predicament of a demon that has been cast out, how it wanders and then returns. And the final state of that person is worse than the first. And then the passage ends with this out-of-the-blue exclamation from some lady in the crowd that the mother of Jesus is truly blessed. But Jesus replies, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So how does all this fit together? The house divided thing, the demon in the dry places, the seemingly unnecessary reply to that poor woman just trying to praise Jesus' mother. How does that all go together? Thankfully, we do have two other synoptic gospels with parallel passages fill in a little more of the context for us. From the timing we can piece together from all of the Gospels, we know that this event happened in the third year of Jesus' ministry when he had been preaching and doing miracles long enough to earn for himself many enemies among the scribes and the Pharisees. His fame has gotten to an already dangerous level by this point, and he often had religious leaders trying to test him and trick him into blasphemy so that they could arrest him at every opportunity. And also by this point, Jesus had already resolutely set his face to Jerusalem, having predicted his own death several times. How are you doing, by the way, now on this third Sunday in Lent, where we have already also set our faces to Jerusalem? Has your fame spread enough through the demons that they're increasing their efforts to trip you up? Anyway, because of the context of uh, where Jesus is in this point in his life and ministry, the mounting dangers surrounding him, Mark in his gospel lets us know at the outset of this event that the crowds had gathered around Jesus in a house so tightly that they'd packed so many people in uh, that, that they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, they couldn't even eat dinner. I guess it was dinner time. Mark says they couldn't even hardly eat bread. And on hearing of this situation, his family, who was close by, family and kinsmen, set out to go retrieve Jesus away from these crowds, saying that he's out of his mind for being in there with so many people. They knew of the danger that Jesus was in. They knew of the rumblings of arrest and blasphemy and and the enemies that he had. And so they hear that Jesus is in this house with a crowd surrounding him. I mean, it's probably you can see it from down the street. You got people spilling out into the street from the house and And they hear, yeah, Jesus is in there with everyone. And they're like, has he lost his mind? So they head to the house to try to retrieve Jesus to get him out of the middle of all that. Normally when he's surrounded by crowds, he's out in the the desert or the open somewhere. 
Now he's packed in a house. And sure enough, among that crowded house were religious leaders who were there with the explicit purpose of testing and tripping up Jesus. So when Jesus heals the demoniac, there were religious leaders who, um, I think it was St. Matthew who said that there were scribes who had come down from Jerusalem who were there and accusing him of working these miracles by the power of Satan, Beelzebub, which is a, an old um, sort of farmer version of, of an old sort of tradition of the prince of the demons who the, the Jews at the time would have known as the deceiver, as Satan. So Jesus replies, oh yeah, and what if it's by the power of God that I do this? In that case, the kingdom of God is already right on top of you. What are you going to do if that's the case? Um, and in the other synoptics, we also hear that some of the religious leaders were asking for signs from Jesus. And uh, he actually, in, in those passages, goes on to say, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah, three days in the belly of the whale, three days in the belly of the earth, etc. So, but here in our gospel today, Jesus just says, you know who asked for signs and wonders, an evil generation? And that's what you guys are. You're an evil generation. Now, this is why Jesus was talking about the wandering and demons and all that. Because he had just performed an exorcism, and he explains the broader reason that he's doing these miracles. Because he has detractors there, and he has to explain himself. Why is he doing this? He likens Satan to a strong man, secure in his castle. But he, Jesus, the Son of God, is an even stronger man who has come. And he first binds the strong man up, therefore the exorcisms, so that he can plunder his house, by which he means to gain followers who had previously been captive to Satan. So first the devil is bound and cast out, and then those who had belonged to the devil are captured by Christ. Unless they're not. If, on the other hand, Jesus casts out demons, but the hearts of these people, this evil generation, aren't filled up with the Spirit of God, then, Jesus says, the demons will return and it will be even worse for those people in the end. This, he says, is how it will be for this evil generation. So that's how this context works. He's casting out demons. You've got these representatives of an evil generation. And Jesus said, look, this is how it works. If I cast these demons out and you don't end up following me, you don't fill your hearts with the Spirit of God, then apparently souls, like nature, abhors a vacuum. The demons will come back, they'll bring even more, and it'll be even worse. And that's how you guys are shaping up right now, you evil generation. So the intensity and the brutality of Jesus' message is clearly picking up at this point. His ministry is gaining in intensity in, in terms of what he's doing, what he's saying. He's got the religious leaders set against him, but instead of running, he's throwing it back at him. For all their hypocrisy and idolatry and pride and envy, Jesus is responding with unpleasant prophecies. He's already said on Jerusalem, he knows that his ministry is leading to this point. This is his destiny. This is the mission that he has sent to fulfill. The reason he came was to die, and he knows that now. Which is why, because of Mark's gospel, we know that his family was seeking to pull him out of this powder keg. After he had said these things, he's told that his mother and brothers were outside looking for him. 
We don't get that in Luke's version of the gospel. We just hear a lady say, blessed is the womb that bear you. But in Matthew and Mark, we hear that his mother and brothers are outside seeking for him, and we know they're seeking for him in order to rescue him from this volatile situation. But when he's told that his mother and brothers are outside looking for him, he says, who is my mother and my brothers and sisters? These disciples here around me who are following me, they are my mother and brother and sisters. It's not a rejection of this family, but a lesson, an emphasis this crowd clearly needed that Jesus was on a mission, he had a singular purpose, and that those who were with him for the sake of that purpose are who matter now, right now in this moment, as I'm trying to teach you this lesson. After this strange reply, another lady says, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus says, again, doubling down, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. <laughs> He's insistent right now that this crowd not be distracted. Because his family outside the house are trying to pull him away. And this was a distraction from what he was there in the moment trying to do. Now, we in the Orthodox Church, of course, do call Mary blessed. We sing hymns to her honor. We honor her with images. But always at the appropriate times, we honor Mary and the saints, i.e. the brothers and sisters of Jesus, with prayers and praise and feast days. But all of that honor is within the context of honoring God first and foremost, that's the place of the saints, below God, pointing to God. If ever the saints or angels or anything else in all creation, as St. Paul says, threatens to draw our attention away from God or to preach any other gospel, that is to not have our minds and hearts set solely on Jesus Christ, then our hierarchy, our priorities have been corrupted. We possibly, like this crowd, might need difficult and uncomfortable words to snap us back into the right mindset. Jesus here was doing that for this crowd. The people who were wowed by these exorcisms, who were looking for signs, who were drawing attention to some well-meaning family and friends trying to retrieve him from where he needed to be right then, that wouldn't do. And Jesus kept drawing their attention back to him, back to his ministry, back to their own hearts and their needs. The lesson for us is the same as for that crowd. Don't be distracted. Put your priorities in order. Invite the Holy Spirit into your heart so that you're not left open for something nastier to take up residence there. This Sunday at Matins, the Holy Patriarch Joseph is focused on, continuing on that sequence of Old Testament figures that we began in the pre-Lenten season, starting with Adam, uh, uh, Noah, Abraham, etc., moving up to Joseph now today. Joseph was also hated and betrayed by those close to him because of his unpleasant prophecies and uncomfortable words. He proved to be pure and chaste in the face of temptation. And at the end of his life, he shows that he returns good for evil and feeds the hungry and provides for his family and nation and dependents. Joseph is truly an image of who Christ will be. Joseph points toward the one who even in a more perfect way um, returns evil for good, who is betrayed by those close to him, who is hated because of his unpleasant words and prophecies, but who in the end 
feeds the hungry and those in need. This morning, our lesson is from Jesus himself to look to him for all of our needs. And as we continue to move forward through Lent, let us with Jesus turn our face to Jerusalem and not be distracted by anything, but to fulfill our mission so that we with him can triumph in the eternal Easter tide. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.